don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my heart, I have a And welcome, everyone, to Greetings from Beyond Radio, Season 1, Episode 3. And we have a special guest, but before I go any further, I want to introduce ourselves. I'm your host, Rich Valdez, and my co-host, see, I got it down, Vicki, Vicki Burnett. Say hi, Vicki. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) You can say more than that if you like. Oh, well, Um, I was just following directions. Okay, well, um, and as I was saying, season one, episode three, and this guy really doesn't need any introductions, to be honest with you. Um, he's the godfather of the paranormal. Uh, he has many, many names. Uh, very well known throughout the paranormal field. In my opinion, one of the best paranormal investigators and demonologists out there and someone I look up to. Johnny Zaffis, you can't get any better than that. So, yes, as that picture states right there, everything has a story. Let me tell you. He has plenty of stories, and I've been privy. I've been honored to be able to hear those stories, not only in many interviews that we've had in the past, but times that we've just met up just for the hell of it and seen each other at conventions or whatnot. He is truly an incredible individual. Vicki, your your thoughts on, on John Zaffis? Well, if I recall correctly, he was one of my first celebrity paranormal celebrity interviews back when I was on the radio show for Florida ghost team. So in 2007, we would have interviewed him for uh, clear image radio, as it was called on WBZT. So he was one of my first big interviews. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, when you're saying all this and, and the fact that he has all these accolades, all these things that he's earned, yet he's very accessible. He is, yes. And um, one of the reasons, and and I'm just not saying it just to say it, he's very down to earth um, and he's, he's so accessible because of that, you know, being down to earth. As far as I'm concerned, very far and few between nowadays that are, I would call class acts when it comes to the paranormal field. And that's John Zaffis. I mean, this guy has literally been in the field now, I believe 43 years, if I'm not mistaken, and trained by, and I have to say he has quite the pedigree when it comes to who trained him. Can you imagine Vicky being at home with your mom and your dad and all of a sudden uncle John comes over and starts telling you stories of, you know, haunted houses and ghosts and whatnot 
wouldn't that be i mean me personally i'd love that but you know yeah and i actually have a question for him later on when he's here in regards to having that family connection so i i'm anxious to ask that question i have for him well you know we're going to be addressing a lot of that in the first hour and i i think uh we've been you know planning for this for the past three weeks and just like we you know tend to do hey jenny how are you uh 50 years in at michigan in august wow wow 50 years excuse me i got a long way to go <laughs> i think maybe if vicky and i got together we could actually beat that five zero number what do you think no. If we're combining experience, we could we could make a nice little shot at it. Yeah, but, yeah. Eh. Yeah. Maybe. We're just we're just not, let's see, what's the political way to say it? We're not quite mature enough. No, we're not. Although to have that much experience. Ironically, that many years in the paranormal, he's already hit, you know, my number of years almost. I mean, I'm I'm at 53 years of age. So, uh, I was three years old when he got started. <laughs> yeah. I would have been six years old. Yeah. There you go. So I, I, like I said, John to me has always been one of those very accessible individuals. In fact, the, the way we met, uh, was back in 2005, uh, Scott Morrow, may he rest in peace, reached out to me. He wanted a, a reputable team to represent John's case in the state of Florida. Hi, Beth. How are you? <laughs> we'll add your 20 plus. Okay, Beth. <laughs> um, and, but of course, Beth, Beth has worked with John uh, since I believe, I believe she was 16 years of age. So that's, that's also quite the privilege right there. Um, needless to say, we will refer to case believed to be demonic. And since his team was, nowhere near florida because they're in connecticut um we we had john uh john's right hand man at that time scott morrow reach out to me and asked if we were willing to take on a case for john's team at that time prisney which no longer exists by the way he had to disband it and uh let's just say i'm just gonna say the this word and i'm sure vicky's gonna know who the person is. I already know. <laughs> Fonoda Sasa. Yes. <laughs> Which ironically, I had been there prior to that with Florida Ghosting mm -hmm. before it got to the extent where um, your team and Mr. Zaffis had to get involved. So I was there before it got that intense. And not getting into details, but that case was definitely one for the ages. Uh, I believe that case was the first case that my team had actually come across as a demonic case now mind you i had already had previous experience as a demonologist but i did worry about my team and their safety because it's a completely different beast when you're dealing with some with a human haunt versus a demonic infestation but you know oppression and possession they are two totally different things you can't compare the two in fact uh, and we're not going to talk about it, but, you know, Vicky brought, brought me up to speed on a case she's going to be working on soon this morning. And uh, I will be assisting if you don't mind, because that one has me concerned for sure. 
and it has shades of, you know, demons. So just to be on the safe side. Uh, but let's go with the, the first, actually the second picture. And uh, I'll ask our lovely producer to go ahead and put that up on screen. So way, way, way back when, there were, before she became a Zaphis, it was John, it was actually Ed and Babe Warren. Babe is John Zaphis's mother. That's Ed Warren to the right. That's Babe Warren to the left before she became a Zaphis. And of course, as I had said earlier, I can only imagine what it would have been like to be in John's shoes to look forward to seeing Uncle Ed come over and just talk about haunted stories, ghost stories, whatever. That'd be awesome. I, I, me personally, I'd be like, is Uncle Ed coming? Is Uncle Ed coming? Because let's face it, that's what inspired John to do what he does to this very day. And as far as I'm concerned, thank God, you know, for Ed and Lorraine Warren, which ironically, there's also another picture of Ed and Babe together years down later on after the fact. And by this time, Babe was Babe Zaffis, John Zaffis's mom. And there's Ed Warren standing right next to her <coughs> and looking all dapper and happy. I, I personally love the fact that he had such a strong connection to his whole family. And uh, as we discussed last week, you know, the Warren legacy, mm -hmm. let's face facts. The Warren legacy trailed, it blazed a lot of trails for a lot of us. So that being said, what would you say to that when it comes to leading up to John as we segue into, you know, the second hour later on? But what would you say when it comes to the training that he got? Well, I think that this is like a perfect way to show how we talked about our building blocks, which were the Warrens. Mm -hmm. And here we have the first offshoot that has that direct connection to them and that quality that they presented and helped people with. And that it continued in the next generation. I mean, talk about having such an incredible advantage uh, to have somebody to bounce things off of when you come across them. It, it's just, I mean, I have to say, totally jealous. Totally I, jealous to have had, you know, if, if I had had relatives like that. I mean, the closest thing I ever had was my great aunt Rosie that saw dead people. That was the closest <laughs> thing I had. <laughs> did she really see dead people? Or? Yes. Okay, yeah, she, right. No, she really did. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom loved to tell the stories about her. Yeah. <clears throat> You know, my mom was of a certain uh, thought that there's angels and demons and nothing in between. But right. she sure loved to tell the stories about great Aunt Rosie, though. But anyway. <laughs> but Aunt Rosie, I'm sure, loved, loved to tell the stories, too. Uh, I'm just pretty sure. Now, having known your mom, she, she didn't appreciate Aunt Rosie telling those stories. Um, but we won't get into that. I love your mom. May she rest in peace and be with the Lord. She she was an amazing person. They're always very welcoming whenever I came over. Uh, I think I think she only gave me a stink eye once or twice, Vicky. 
But. Well, and for, to your face, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you remember, after she passed and you came to the house, she was still Southern and polite. She did offer you a cup of coffee. Yes, she did. I do remember that. Uh, so getting back to talking about the man, the legend, John Zaffis, I, I can honestly say I will never forget we had taken on that case in Thanodasasa we we did everything by the book we had gotten rid of this spirit even though it was already in the oppressive possession stage it was literally in between we were able to rid this individual of this demon but this demon unfortunately i should say the person had such it's what i would refer to as a perfect possession she didn't want this thing to be gone and i believe that's when the obsession kicks in because the person starts obsessing over this it's missing it's something that's gone missing in them needless to say she reinvited this entity back into her life well the moment she called us back and said it's back i called john and john said richie get the hell out of there now that is not what you want to do i'm like oh okay all right you, you know you just listen to john you have to listen to John, because if you don't, you know, you're going to make one big dino poop of a mistake. And that's one thing I was not willing to do. So we got out while the getting was good. Needless to say, shortly after that, that's when he invited my team to be on his or one of his designees for the state of Florida, the only designee. And he quickly became someone that i had a great deal of respect for would turn to whenever i needed advice john was the man that i'd turn to so one of the pictures that i would like to share is one of john with ed so here we go there's john and there's ed can you imagine wow uh look how young john was then and Needless to say, we were all at that age, but did the guy always have a beard? My goodness, I'm gonna have to ask him that when he comes on the second hour. Was and it he... looks like it looks like that's Lorraine in the background, too. I believe so. This is possibly at either a family gathering. I'd have to ask him about this picture when it comes on in the second hour. It might it might be her. I don't think we can zoom in any more than that. Oh, I think we can. Is it? I believe it is Lorraine. Certainly looks like her. Yeah, it sure does. So you see, John has has led a very very charmed life, and and I am, you know, forever thankful of everything he's done. He's been in. He's written books. He's been included in books. He's done documentaries after documentaries. He's, of course, as everyone knows, the Haunted Collector, a, a very very good show. I wish they had they would have kept the show a few more years, if not more, because to be honest with you. That was by far one of the best shows out there. And that's where a lot of people started realizing that objects can be attached to something that is spiritual. Uh, from Charles Rudd, totally agree 100%. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that have the same sentiment in, in, our, in our chat room right now. Um, so what was the, when was the first time that you heard of John Zaffis other than the interview that you had with him? 
probably it was about that time because at that point I had only been uh, I joined the paranormal. I joined the team in January, 2007. And we just a couple months after that, we started the radio show. So that's when I began all of my research, buying every single book that I can get a hold of and everything like that. So whenever we had a guest, I would make sure that I did my research. But prior to that, honestly, I didn't know that you could actually invest and, you know, get something together to devote your time to delve into the paranormal. I thought it was me and my friend Barry growing up, looking at a house, pretending like we're Scooby-Doo and saying that the house is haunted. I didn't realize that you could go way above and beyond that. And that's, so I, in the very beginning, I got a hold of everything I could get my hands on to read. And then it went from there. You know, one, one of the, I have to admit, one of the first books I ever read was not of the Warrens. It, it was of Hans Holzer. Uh, yeah, and it was too. the ghost hunter and that that one got me interested and in fact it's what i've fashioned my team after having a psychic medium present at all times because he himself worked with the trans medium as well mm-hmm. uh but th- so did the warns i i discovered the warns a few years later i discovered that they they were pretty much the same thing it was ed the demonologist and his wife, Lorraine Warren, as psychic medium. So needless to say, they they were doing this as well. Um, It's just not too many people knew. You know, it's funny. I I, I really tell my age when I I say, do you guys remember the show In Search Of? And people look at me like, say what? But I remember it was narrated and hosted by the late great. Spock, I'm giving people hints here. I want to see if people are actually following me here. Some people may still not be old enough to get this. So Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, Mr. Nimoy, wasn't it? Yes, Leonard and Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy. Um, in Search Of was the best. I agree with you, Beth. It was by far the one that really set the tone and the bar high. I do believe the Warrens did make an appearance there. And John, to know to know John is to know someone that is dedicated to his craft. He always approaches everything with class. He always approaches everything with knowledge. He will not go into a case if he's not sure exactly what is going on in, in a case. He'll refer it to someone else. In fact, he's actually contacted me and he's asked me hey rich do you know about this of course he always says hey richie and you know you know you're in good graces with with john's office when he puts the e after your first name so vicky i'm sorry to say Uh, mine's already there i i know so you know what don't worry about if he shortened if he shortens my name to vic (laughs) then i know we've reached some kind of (laughs) status well you know, you, you you have you have a good personality there. Um, you just roll might, your eyes again. <laughs> roll them again. You're all the way in West Palm. I'm all the way in Utah. There's nothing you can do. It doesn't matter. Don't you know I have powers? <laughs> I wouldn't risk it. Exactly. <laughs> so, as everyone knows, the first time I actually saw John's office was 
in an episode, I think it was the second episode of a haunting many, 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 many years ago. And it was a haunting in Connecticut. And we will be hitting that later on in the second hour. Um, I definitely want to ask him about that, that case. Cause I know that case was one, if not the one that actually made him rethink, do I want to stay in the paranormal? Do I still want to be a demonologist or not? And I don't blame the guy because that case that that was heavy. I've had some conversations with him about that. And that's one that he says that one could have made me go either way because I could have quit. I could have kept going. I decided to stay. And, and that's when he ended up helping out the Reed family and their situation as well as the Warrens too. Well, would that be the first case that you ever heard of John being involved in? Probably. Yeah, probably that goes back because we had also at that time period, we had interviewed Carmen Reed. So right. all of those would have all been tied in together. Definitely. Carmen Reed was by far one of my most interesting interviews. I wish I could have interviewed her for the full two hours, ironically, that evening. Um, I bet you saw him on Unsolved Mysteries before that. You know what? I'm going to ask Jen to come on here <laughs> because I see her, but there she is. I, I can't hear you. I can't, can't hear you. No, no. I don't <laughs> Beth, just so you're aware, Jen is mortally terrified of unsolved mysteries just because of the music and the guy no no it, it was the guy's voice no when the guy the music came on was when i grabbed my pillow and i was like oh, no, 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 no. okay and it was the guy's voice that oh my god that, that was terrifying terrifying for me and still to this day is terrifying was it what, what was his name stack something like that john stack robert stack robert yeah. stack yeah he had that I, I didn't care i didn't care i didn't want to know his name there you go. And and yeah, Unsolved Mysteries. I had no idea, Beth. Thank you very much, Jen, uh, for your input on how scared you are of Unsolved Mysteries. To this day. Okay. So I know what you're going to be watching tonight, right? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Doing a great job. Um. Oh boy, yeah. Of course, you know I gotta bring Jen on. You know, it's 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 a it's a given. Robert Stack. <laughs> no. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> you know, I used to love Thank that you, show. Beth. Thank you, Beth. <laughs> Beth's got your back. <laughs> so I I didn't know he was on there. You know, I, I did see a few pictures where he was interviewed by good lord what is the name of that famous um guy he, he actually just passed away last year uh the name escapes me right now but it was him and and i believe someone else that is now on the history channel but I was surprised to see him there too. But then again, I'm not surprised because John is well-versed when it comes to anything that has to do. Whoa, why just me? Why are we just <laughs> focused on me? What's going on here? Wait, I feel boxed in. So 
needless to say, uh, John has always been one of those people that I turn to when I just can't figure something out or I have questions, I turn to John because quite frankly, who else am I going to turn to but John? Uh, that being said, there's plenty of people, I'm sure, not too many yet because everyone's driving home. I get it. You know what? I'm totally sensitive to everyone. You know, Bonnie. Okay. Hi, Bonnie. How are you? Um, and let me tell you, we have a lot of people from Paranormal United Network, Paralanx, which I'm partnered with. And also Elena is here too. Uh, and yes, by the way, Vicky, uh, I'll give you an update as to confirmation of a reading that you gave, I believe her mom yesterday after the show. Okay. Monday. But right now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll tell you after the show, but needless to say, we're, we're, I'm excited just to have him on because he's one of those that you'll always turn to whenever you have an issue. And yes, he is very accessible. I believe he does have a website. So if anyone ever wants to make contact with John's office, they can actually go ahead and contact him. Just look him up on Google and you'll find John's office. And as Vicky has already testified, he was very accessible. So for those of you that would like to interview him, just reach out. And I'm sure let, listen, I know, I know for a fact, this guy was on an investigation, if I'm not mistaken, last night. And here he is doing my interview. Go figure. So I, I have to honestly say he is very accessible. Keep trying. He is busy, though. He's very busy. And I remember when I finally reached out to him, I had reached out to him mm, sometime December last year. And I said, John, I'm starting on my show. You want to come on? I want you to be the first guest. And he's like, contact me anytime in January and I'll, I'll put you down. I'm like, cool, no problem. But John's always been good with me when it comes to that. So one story that I do want him to address when he comes on in the second hour is going to be the haunting in, in Connecticut. And we do have a few of those pictures that we will be sharing in the second hour because that show like that one particular case was the one that could have made it or broken him and thankfully it didn't break him because then we wouldn't have john what questions are you going to have for john vicky i'm curious because you know what you always you're you're always the intuitive type and being psychic medium and stuff like that uh, are you going to read him when he's on here i don't read people without permission oh it's a rule of mine. Really? It's a violation of privacy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm kind of, you know, the fact that he grew up with um, access to his aunt and uncle who did this, it sparked an interest, but I wonder if he felt a sense of obligation as well. So I'm curious as to whether it was just a passion or there was some obligation in there and how much of an influence how much did they try to convince him that this is something he should do so i'm curious whether there was you know some encouragement and or there was just um some kind of obligation he felt in order to carry on it's kind of like a family business it is so you know i wonder how much was him and how much was a little bit of of them as well well considering the warrens 
have or used to have, I think they still do right now, they're closed, their museum. John has his own museum. Boy, does he have his own museum. Um, that, needless to say, is that that's, I'm not even kidding around. He has a barn full of stuff. He used to have it in the house. And then he had to move it to a barn. Now he's trying to find another location. He's been trying to find the right location now for many, many years. I don't know if he's found one yet. But needless to say, he I could not. You know, Vic, I, I wouldn't be able to live on the same premises with so many haunted items. I don't know how the man does it, honestly. You know, you posed that question. I don't know if it was the first or second week. And you said, okay, if you had these, would you keep them in your house? And I honestly would not have that big of a problem with it uh, as long as I knew that they were contained in a manner that would contain any kind of the energy that's connected to them as well. I wouldn't, you know, have Annabelle chilling on my dresser, but if she were properly contained on my property, I probably could do that. Uh I think so, but I'd still have issues. As far as I'm concerned, to know, I, I know for many years he, he literally had it in his own home. As of October 2021, he hasn't found a location yet. We did lunch with him in Connecticut. You know, it, it's a shame because I, I, I think the, the first time he and I started talking about this and he said he was looking for an actual neutral place was six years ago. And he was having trouble finding the right price for the right place and the right size. And unfortunately, he hadn't found anything yet. So as of 2021, as Jenny said, he still hasn't found a place yet. Needless to say, he has a lot of items. And that's one of the things I'm definitely going to you know, ask him. How many? I'm sure he's not going to know the exact amount, but he's getting stuff all the time, every week, almost every day from people that are saying this has this attachment or this has this, I, I can't, I can only imagine. I'm sure by now he's had to actually get storage outside storage just to load everything up. But that's is just it one simply, thing. is it simply price that's preventing him from finding that location? I think we can ask him. <laughs> yeah. It's something we can ask him, you know, right. Let's write that down. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It, it, it it might be that, but it also might be the it has to be with the size of the location because and safety, I would imagine not only. Yeah. Yeah. Safety as well, because, you know, if you don't have sufficient security to protect such valuable items, granted, they're all haunted. He doesn't, you know, take them just to take them. He takes them right. to help people out. And I personally, I remember there was a case that I had down in Miami the person was convinced that what she had was haunted, had some kind of attachment to it. And all the evidence did point to this. And I did offer to send it to John. And she said, no, no, I'll keep it. I'm like, so why'd you call us in? I don't understand. It's like you're a glutton for punishment. If you're not having any issues, why bring us into the situation? I just didn't get it, to be honest with you. But me personally, if I knew that this was causing me harm or my family, placing my family in harm's way, I'd want it out of my house. It's like you said, I believe the show before this one, episode two, you like your, your home to be ghost free. 
I, me to volunteer or anyone else except for John, which I guess that's what he wanted to do is to start his own museum. I wouldn't want him to do that. Me personally, I, I couldn't do that for to myself. Some people, unfortunately, are you know difficult to to work with when it comes to clients. You can you can't imagine the boxes that he gets. I I don't want to know, uh, but I'm sure he's going to let us know. Maybe, who knows? In the second hour, and yeah, ask him about the haunted Furby. I listen. I've always thought the Furbies were haunted to begin with, until I discovered the battery underneath. I was like, no, I guess it's not haunted. So there you go. But it'll be interesting to see if it's if it's financial, if it's it's probably a combination of at least three different factors. But I think at some point it's it's going to be a have to. So you know maybe the paranormal field itself can do some brainstorming, some helping to make sure that it happens. I think it would be a good way to leave behind for generations to come for people to visit his museum each one of those on display whatever it may be in his museum have a story to go with it how it got there what what is believed to be attached to it or what it does and stuff like that to me i i i just me personally my personal preference i'm just saying for myself i would not want to own anything haunted i like my house to be as you know quiet as possible uh spirit free zone i'll deal with that when i go on an investigation and i, and I know you're the same way too but vicky you, you you know we're always surrounded by spirits one way or the other it's just whether they want to contact us or not we're surrounded by more spirits than we are living people agreed so, and I love when someone freaks out when they're saying, oh my gosh, you deal with ghosts or whatever. Yeah, so do you. You just don't realize it. You just don't realize it. It's true. Uh, there's so many people that you and I both have helped. And I've taken a lot of cues, not only from, from John Zaffis, but also from Bishop James Long over the years and on how to be pastoral, how to be understanding of people's situations. I think that's what may be wrong with the paranormal field nowadays to where a lot of a lot of these paranormal teams have broken away from helping people with paranormal situations going on in their lives and that in itself is a scary thought because then it makes me think well if they're willing to do that and disconnect themselves and John I know for fact is always helping people sure he'll investigate your commercial location left and right whenever he has a chance, but he'd prefer to help people out. And I believe that's the one thing that resonates between John and I. Yeah. I know that my team, we don't go to cemeteries. We don't go to, you know, publicly haunted places. We've always centered on people. And, you know, you hinted a couple episodes ago that, Oh, it's crazy. Your team's always busy. Yeah. Because these other teams that are just out there for evidence to post on their website, when they go in and they abandon the client, there has to be somebody there to pick up the pieces and they end up finding their way to teams that focus on the client instead of the evidence for posting. Of course, you know, evidence is always fun to post, but you know how many people are going to critique your evidence. I I've never posted any of my evidence on the internet. There's no reason. I know what I have besides 
it's usually because of a case that I'm working with a client. There's no reason for me to be posting their evidence up in the first place. It's a, it's a case, it's confidential, and it's only for their eyes only, and it's who we're dealing with. Our job is to find some kind of resolution for that family. That's what's gone missing nowadays. And uh, this is why I gravitate towards people like you, because that's predominantly what we deal with on a daily basis. And that's also what John deals with, too. John is constantly dealing with clientele, cons consultations. He's being He's been asked to so many conventions to do his presentations, not to mention also the universities that ask him to do his speaking engagements at the universities. That's That must be one of the biggest honors ever. So I look forward to one day being able to actually catch one of his speaking engagements at one of the conventions. I've yet to have that opportunity because I usually end up being the one behind the table. Go figure. Yeah, but, um, you know, going back to finding the right team and stuff too, another issue that we have, not only do you have these teams that are looking to post evidence, but they don't have experienced people that are able to distinguish between a haunt and a drug addiction and mental illness and all of those other components. So, you know, while I may have been young and inexperienced when I started, I was lucky enough to be on a team where I was exposed weekend after weekend to these different types of haunts. I did my own research. And then when I had my own team, I was free to do some things, experimental things with the permission of people in controlled environments to be able to test out certain theories and do certain things. So you really need, everybody needs a bag of tricks. If you're going to have a team, make sure you have a team where everybody's got their own trick that you pull out of the bag. You know, I, I know for a fact there was a, there was, there was a team member and I'm sure if Beth is still in, in the chat, uh, Dan Leroy, um, and I, I spoke to him many years ago when I first started my show back when, and he told me of the experiences they had with a Frank's box. And yeah, there you go. You, you just got your hit the hit the nail on the head, Vicky. And it's true. There was a case they were working and they were utilizing the Frank's box, one of the Frank's boxes. And I don't think John was there. It was Dan Leroy and the rest of Prisney. And it kept the spirit kept asking for John Zaphis. It would say John Zaphis. I was like, you have got to be kidding. He wasn't even with you guys. And, he, and here's the spirit coming across saying, John Zaphis. I was like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah, there was a, I had a client years ago and she said, it's okay if I have another team come in as well. You know, wanted a second opinion. I said, yeah, just be very careful. So she had this other team come in. They got scared, packed mm -hmm. up their stuff. And she waited for them to get back to her. And so she contacted them and they said, yeah, we're not coming back. Uh, we got this certain EVP. And then all of a sudden they said, do you know someone named Vicky? And this person's like, uh, yeah, why? Well, they got an EVP that said, where's Vicky? We like Vicky. And, you know, classic case of people that were supposed to come in to help. They actually, if they didn't have as much knowledge that I had given them through the years when it comes to the paranormal, they would have scared the crap out of them. And they came in disrespectful and the spirit specifically said, uh-uh, no, where's Vicky? We like her, not you. <laughs> so, well, you know, the way I see it, 
I had a case very similar to that. It wasn't even my case to begin with. It was another team. They were conducting an EVP. They were using a ghost box, not a Frank's box. We haven't been that privileged. And the same thing that happened to John, same thing that happened to you, happened to me. Except they didn't want me there because there was something dark there. So my reputation precedes me far and wide. And when they contacted me, I was like, are you sure they were asking for me? And I said, well, your last name is Valdez. I'm like, yeah. Well, it said Rich Valdez. No, come. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not, <laughs> I'm not coming. And they, they, they said, no, you have to come. I'm like, I guess I have to come then. So I did. No big deal. But well, you, know you weren't what? popular at this other location because you went with me one time and we got a bunch of EVPs where they were cussing you out. Like they did not like you at all at this location. They, Vicky is it's because they know what I bring with me. They know I don't go there empty handed and I always come prepared one way or the other. But I I really don't care. I, I, when I go in and this is faith based and I'm, I'm drawing from my faith when it comes to this, I know what I bring with me. I know I come protected. They don't have to fear me. They have to fear what is with me, around me at all times. So that being said, I wonder if John, and I think John has a special story. I'm going to actually, you know, give him that opportunity to share a story, a very special story involving a statue in a church. And let me tell you, it, it was very inspiring because I believe Ed was with him when he told me this story. And I, I thought to myself, wow, I, I can only imagine that. That would be like, really? That's so cool. It's kind of like, you know, looking forward to seeing Uncle Ed come, come to the house or not. Can you imagine? No, I can never imagine. But, you know, someone that could would be Beth because Beth was training with John as a kid, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know. That's just something that we'll have to discuss later on with Beth down the road because she will be on. She'll she will be one of our guests, by the way. And she did work with John for many, many years. I know for a fact they're like family. So that being said, yeah. I want people to chime in. Definitely don't think for one single solitary minute that we have forgotten about everyone in chat. Um, if Jen could do me a favor and run the ticker with information involving where you can watch this show and also afterwards how people can get in contact there it is the there's the ticker right there um how to get in contact with us with vicky and myself if you want us to be a guest on your show or if you want a reading even better from vicky i highly recommend her she is one of the best out there and in fact, uh, you've been busy with readings, haven't you? Yes, readings, reading parties. I booked one today. It's going to be my first virtual reading party. So um, I thought, you know, since that's kind of experimental, I've never done that. I told uh, the people involved that I will suspend my regular fees, but I will accept any love donations that they want to give me at the end of the event. Um, just because, you know, I can't, I've never done it. I usually just do them over the phone right? or I do parties where they're local. So I'm in person. Um, so this will be a little bit different, you know, doing it via zoom at a party with a bunch of people together. So, um, you know, I appreciate the fact that they're willing to be part of this little experiment and, 
And, um, you know, like I said, since I couldn't guarantee anything, because since I've never done it, I said, you know what, I'll suspend my fees. And uh, but a love donation would be appreciated. You know, uh, people will always I, I, I know for a fact that John has worked with psychic mediums in the past. Who knows? Maybe down the road, it's going to work with you. Hey, I'm available and you know, I work remotely. Yeah. All I need is a picture. You can, uh, people text me, email me pictures. Uh, you know, I did Elena's an example where I was able to pick up on spirits within someone's home, uh, during a reading, actually before the reading, uh, the first thing that I said would have been the week before, before the actual reading. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's just, I'm blessed. And when I say I'm blessed, it's not me. I am lucky enough and blessed enough for spirits to speak to me and to show me things. It's not me doing it. I'm just a vessel. I'm just, I'm like a, I don't even think about taking this and running with it, but I'm like a dummy or a puppet where oh, somebody God. has to put their hand up my dress <laughs> or pull my strings. Okay. It, it, you're going to get an aneurysm trying to hold back. I see it. I see it. <laughs> I'm trying but, to maintain my composure. Where's Prince when you need him? <laughs> Take him out of the corner. Come on. But yeah, oh. I mean, it's like, it, I don't take credit for it. I'm just lucky enough that I'm able to help people with it because spirit thinks that I'm, you know, worthy enough to be able to do it for them. Well, the way I see it, I think everyone has that gift. And I'm sure I'm going to ask John if he feels he has that gift. I think everybody believes they do. It's just that some develop it, some don't. And, and some, I, I will put that little ad on there, which I've talked about before. Some of them, it just will never, it'll be boom, boom, boom without the soul that goes with it. Some people, right. hey, I can't play the guitar. Even if I took lessons, I wouldn't sound like Prince. So that, that is it, true. I believe that there are people who naturally shine brighter. And I think a big reason for that, really simple, respect. I think the person who is humble and has respect will be able to communicate better with spirits. You mean like the shining? Just my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I've, I've always said that if you have a gift, you should let it shine, but I have a gift. I'm empathic. And I, I only bring that into interviews with clients i want to feel what they're sensing and see if there's anything that's being held back but when i actually go in i hold back on it and i shut it down so needless to say i, I try my best not to be empathic when i go in because it's not going to help me the two times i did open up i ended up having to go outside and ground myself again and that's the thing being an empath is probably one of the more difficult gifts yeah, because it affects you physically because you take on all those emotions and all those traits and all those things. And it's difficult. I think when a person has multiple gifts, you're able to balance out. The first gift for me that came through was being empathic. Mm -hmm. And then I shifted to the next one and then the next one and then the next one. And then all they ended up being just one big conglomerate. And so I think because they're all balanced, that's why I can go in 
as an empath if I need to and not be overwhelmed by it. My Elena theory. says, you're crazy. I no longer want to do detective work. No more. Okay, so I don't, I don't know what she means by that. I, so. I think she's referring to the reading, and I uh, told her to do some detective work, and she actually did, and um, that's probably what she's referring to. <laughs> All right, there you go. I, I, I happen to know that, yeah, uh, they they found something out, but I'll, I'll fill you in after the show. Uh, it was, it's very interesting, to say the least. And it is confirmation, by the way. So, yes. Yeah. See, she's verifying it. There. And you know what? You know what's so great, too, is that I, I said, well, if you want to, you can do such and such. And she actually did it. I love the fact that she actually did it. Like, that means she was actually listening. And, gosh, it's too bad she doesn't. If she lived in Florida, I would be grabbing her immediately for the team. Immediately. You hear that, Elena? You'd be part of her team point. But we can also use her remotely for her research skills. Just saying. That is true. That's true. Yeah, she's always got she's always got some new case. Needless to say, uh, every time I check on Vicky, it's you know one, two, three cases, and I'm like, oh god, yeah, okay, I see. All right. <laughs> I'd like to know. One of the questions I'm going to ask John when he comes in uh, is what and what was his first case and did he get any evidence whatsoever? Because I know my first case, I had no evidence. It was like late 86, early 87. I'm trying to remember. I, I actually went into a closed down Biltmore Hotel, boarded up and everything. Went to the 13th floor. It's one of the first. It's actually one of the only hotels that still to this day actually has a 13th floor. And it's the presidential suite. Went in there. Tape recorder. You remember those? Polaroid. Got no evidence. Nothing. Zilch. But I wonder if it, if John's first case, he ever did get evidence. And it, if it was by himself or if he was with his, his aunt and uncle. I, I want to know deets. Definitely. And I'm sure there's plenty of people. In the chat that are going to want to know details when it comes to his first case ever. I know there's one case I'm going to be asking him about. That'd be awesome, Elena says. Okay, well, you know what, Elena? You know, it, it's on. You know, I'm just letting you know I'm giving you fair warning. And you you got to be prepared for this. I'm telling you, it's, it's not easy. So. See, now you, I'm surprised. If I hadn't, I got evidence the very first case. I didn't. Um, it was a training Florida ghost team. And I didn't even have, I grabbed, my son had bought me this little video camera. did not have night vision, nothing. And I went out with some investigators into the Rose garden. Yes, it was a real Rose garden. And when I was reviewing the video, which you couldn't see anything because it was pitch black, but I have a woman singing a song in the Rose garden. And when I heard that, if I wasn't hooked before, I was hooked right then and there. You know, if I had gotten someone singing in my very first piece of evidence, I would have been like, cool, but I'd be, I'm the kind of person that will do anything and everything to debunk it. Well, so, we had multiple 
people with multiple pieces of equipment. And when they re reviewed there, nobody had anything. It was only on mine. And we were all sitting in the same rose garden. So, and that was number one, even on that team and especially on my team, every bit of evidence has gone over and over and over and verified with multiple recorders, multiple, if we have video evidence, angles, camera angles, everything has gone over extensively. I always tell people who want to join the team, it's like, it's not just fun and games. So if you go on an investigation and you do an hour's worth of recording on your, you know, regular recorder, when you go to review it, I expect you to take three hours to do that one hour. Because anytime that you think something is suspicious, you are going to listen to it multiple times. If you can't debunk it, you're going to call me and you're going to say, hey, you got two recorders in that room. Go back and listen to this. So that it will take you three times as long to do whatever the recording was, because I want it to be authentic. It's no fun to say something's paranormal when it's not. Well, one thing's for sure is you do have to be thorough, almost like with a fine tooth comb and go over everything. And it's just not audio, it's video. And you also have to take notes. Me personally, I like to take notes throughout the night. And if if people tend to think that it's just going and getting scared, that's not what this is all about. This is applying scientific methodology and also trying to, it's almost being a detective. It really is. So you, you have to really go with the fine tooth comb. So what we're going to do, we're going to start going and we're going to go for a break because we do have a few commercials to play. But when we come back, we're going to be talking to the haunted collector himself. And that's going to be fascinating, to say the least, because John, in my opinion, in this pick, looks like Sean Connery. And yeah, the Sean Connery look. I love it. He looks awesome. Um, so when we get back, stay tuned. We will have the godfather of the paranormal when we come back. Stay there.
And welcome back to Greetings from Beyond Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Season one, episode three, Johnny Zaffis. And with no further ado, do I really have to say it? Bring John on. <laughs> hey, I like the promos. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, boss? I'm doing good. Hi, Vicky. Hi, nice to see you. Nice to see you. That's my co-host, Vicky, and um, this is the godfather, the myth, the legend himself, John frickin' Zaffis. I'm telling you, he's the man. <laughs> something, right? <laughs> you, you are something, that's for sure, man. I'll never forget the first time that uh, you sent us that case. We were actually talking about it back in 2005, and Scott Morrow, may he rest in peace, uh -huh. contacted us and asked us to take on a case that that you guys had been actually brought to um, your attention, and it was in Florida. You guys are all the way up in Connecticut. You can't handle this. So who are you going to call? I guess Rich and my team. And, boy, that was one doozy of a case. And it was Fanota Sasa. That's all I'm going to say about it. And I remember your words exactly. Richie, get the hell out of there now. <laughs> Probably, probably. probably that, that, that sounds like a, a typical remark for me. <laughs> it was it was interesting to say the least, but that's that's started our long friendship. And and I've always, as I stated earlier, I consider you one of my mentors. Thank you very much, sir. Well, thank you. All of your contributions. You've really done an incredible job helping me out. And uh, let me tell you, you've been, you've been an inspiration to a lot of people in the paranormal field. We were actually touching on uh, the subject matter of how you got started in the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And I, I was telling Vicky earlier on in the first hour, it must have been exciting. Hi, Sweepy. <laughs> Beth, Beth just popped up. That's oh, Sweepy. Yeah. That's Sweepy. I know. <laughs> and, and, you know, Beth, Beth has become a big fan of our show since we actually started, to be honest with you. And uh, she's, she's going to be on in a few weeks. So I'm, I'm hoping you'll be watching then, too. Um, I will. If I'm home, I'll watch. Uh, I know. You're never home. Didn't you have an investigation last night? <laughs> Dude, no? I, I, I run around more than you <laughs> can imagine. Um, you know, after being, because uh, I call it the uh, being the lockdown, I call it being cloistered. Um, <laughs> you know, again, anytime something pops up, uh, a lot of times I'll just be pop out quick and uh you know me. You never know. I could be in Connecticut one minute. I could be in Istanbul the next. You never know. I know. I know. Literally, <laughs> I've, I've seen your posts. I'm like, this. how much time do you have to this? And you really don't. I don't know how you do it, to be honest with you. Uh, but I, I was telling Vicky earlier on in the first hour, it must have been exciting to know Uncle Ed was coming to visit. Just to hear those ghost stories. It was, Again, you know, it's a funny way to look at things. And to comprehend things, because you got to remember, to me, they were my aunt and uncle. They chased yeah. freaking ghosts. Yeah. And I, you know, I never thought much of it because, again, going back, because people often ask, well, when did you actually get started, started? I don't know. I was 15, 16, went into a, one of the most famous haunted houses here in Stratford, Connecticut, Phelps Mansion. You know, going to cemeteries, typical teenager, you know, yeah, I'd yeah. get involved with different things and uh, poke around. And as time would go on, a lot of times, because they only live 20 minutes north 
from where we lived at any given point. So, you know, my mom would cook dishes and say, take this up to my brother, take it up to my brother. And I would. So you got to remember back then in the day, you know, I would drive around when I was 15 years old. You didn't have to worry that much about somebody you know, like it is today or anything. But uh, again, drop it off and they go, hey, we're going here. We're going there. And sometimes I would just jump in the car with them and go. Yeah. You know, again, it was some of the uh, exciting things and some of the things that I look back at now. How many freaking people could say that? You're dropping off at August and you go to chase a ghost. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> I know I wasn't doing that at that age. I was, <laughs> I was too busy going to church, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through the week. Needless to say, it's it's what led to my calling to be a demonologist. So, you know, one of one of the things that I I know for a fact that whenever I think of John, I think of the Warrens, but I also think my question to you would be: Did your uncle and aunt did they inspire you to start your museum? I would say yes, but it started off with just a collecting of things. Okay. And he's actually, it was them that got me involved because we went to go, they were doing a local case. Woman collected these little statues and she bought one added to the collection. It was moving around and everything. And on the way back home, Ed threw it into the back seat and he goes, you want that kid? And I still remember, I said, what the F am I going to do with this? You know, <laughs> but what, what that did at that point was made me think about different things and go and start pulling out books and looking up about haunted items. And I did, I started get, getting anything I could get my hands on the haunted uh, classic rocking chair over in England or Scotland. I think it's Scotland, uh, the hope diamond. I started reading about a lot of the different haunted items that were in existence. And again, that's what triggered it and what got me involved with it. And now today, if you go in the barn on both levels, it looks like hoarders would come in here and be able to do three or four episodes. So, you know, again, it, it's, uh, it's, I, that picture is crazy with the two clowns. I, I look like oh, one man. of the clowns standing there. I look like <laughs> I, I when when they did that in that article, they put that picture up. I busted out laugh and said, "Dude, did you have to use that picture?" I look like I'm going. <laughs> but oh god. Now, besides being inspired by your aunt and uncle, did you ever feel almost obligated, like it was a family business? No, and that you should kind of go good. No, good. never. If anything, my uncle discouraged me. Okay. And, you know, that that wasn't a unusual with, with that. And what I mean by discouraging it and, you know, he would just make different remarks. But yet on the same hand, I'd end up going out and doing things and being involved. Then when I, you know, uh, was in my 20s is when I wanted to learn about the demonology and wanted to know what some of that stuff, how everything ended up correlating. And that's where I had that opportunity. Went with them one time to you know, go see, uh, um, or not one time, but several different times, seeing different types of exorcisms, Native American, Buddhist, you know, uh, shaman, I've seen Wiccan, you name it. And it was due to the opportunity of them that I got to see a lot of different things. And that's what provoked it, so to speak, with me. Because I was like, okay, all these different religions believe in all this stuff. There's something to all that. That's true. And, and then that's 
when I really started getting involved with it and took a, a, a different, I don't know how to explain it, a different approach or probably a different look at it as far as getting involved with it and started working on cases, set my own organization up and, you know, be popping along. And here I am freaking 50 years later, still chasing Casper. Oh my God. <laughs> but I love that, that you learned early on there wasn't one size fits all when it comes no. to the paranormal. That no. is the most important thing that I think everybody should take from this is that not one single thing works in every situation. And no. you have to keep a person's belief system in mind when you get ready to do these things. Absolutely. Because again, um, being involved with all that and, you know, a lot of times people laugh, they go, John, you know, witches and pagans and all the different things I go. Yeah, I probably got more witch friends than I have anything else. But, you know, it, to me, I don't view and judge as far as what a person believes or what they're in. Well, unless it gets too dark, dark, the real. No, I'm not interested in uh, participating or getting involved with that stuff, even though there's been situations I got myself involved with and. Thankfully for Ed and Lorraine, they were able to pull me back out. <laughs> but anyhow, um, with you know, trying to understand and learn some of that stuff, my uncle would say that to me. He goes, you, you always got to do it. You, always, you just push and push and push. You don't leave well enough alone. And Lorraine would stand there, look at him and look at me and she'd go, and who does that sound like? <laughs> so, again, I would laugh now at some of the different things to be able to relate to it. So, you take it, you know, years uh, gone by after Ed went down in 2001 and, you know, started moving forward with doing a lot of the things on my own and uh, getting the first book out, doing the TV show. Today I have five books, uh, did the TV show, did a few specials. I mean, you know, lecture, go go all over the place doing that, intermingling and um, just try to keep an uh, open mind and an open prospect on, you know, the reality of the supernatural. <laughs> we have a question for you, boss, uh, from Elena. Uh, John, do you plan on ever doing any more shows about the haunted items collected like the Haunted Collector Show? I don't know. I, I, I never say no. You know, I, I bucked it for uh, several years not doing anything. But um, if it was something I was interested in, something that I, you know, wanted to move forward with, I would probably take a look at it and see if it's something that I'd be interested in doing. So I never say no. I never say no to anything because you don't know. You could, you know, be down the road and that perfect opportunity that, you know, something I'd be interested in and moving forward with it. I mean, you know, we got to face facts today too. I mean, every time you turn around, somebody else has got a haunted freaking museum. And, you know, again, it's not that I'm, I, I don't begrudge anybody over the fact of it or that they do these things. Um, again, a uh, few of the collector, well, several of the collectors I'm very good friends with and we go back and forth. I'll help them out. They'll, you know, help me out if I need help. And, you know, I'll gladly uh, do that. Uh, Cody and Satori, uh, the haunted uh, couple out there, they, have their own little traveling museum. I love what they do. I love the way they present. They handle thing, everything with dignity and respect. I've sat in on their lectures. And, you know, it, it's just funny because the both of them I knew, you know, since, uh, 
Well, Cody, I knew since he was a very young teenager and uh, the horse kid there, if I remember correctly, I think I knew her before she was born. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, again, um, with, with that, uh, have I found a, a, anything for a location for the museum? I continuously keep looking. There's a few things I'm looking at now. The biggest problem is, and it's not just here in Connecticut. Anywhere you go or anything you look at, people have to remember commercial property is extremely expensive. Taxes are quadrupled sometimes on commercial property compared to residential property. Yeah. So it's all the different things you have to take into consideration. Then you have to deal with zoning. You have one person that doesn't want something around, then you have to go and do hearings and everything else. So oh there's a lot, but I am still pursuing, still looking and hopefully before I turn into a ghost, all this crap will be set up somewhere and you know, my wife and kids don't have to worry about it because that's the running joke with me. That my three kids and my wife say, what are we going to do with all this? I go, I don't know. That's your freaking problem. Once <laughs> you better not become a ghost before I go up there. I hope that open invitation <laughs> to investigate your, your, your barn is still available. Uh, lock me up and just let me out in the morning. I'll be like, I just need coffee, man. That's all I need. I'm oh good. man, yeah, dude, you'll have people killing you. They'll, they'll kill you again in there. I get, I have people continuously, continuously, you know, want to go in there and uh, set up. And um, dude, even though I have that, there, there's been paranormal groups that uh, have been in here. A couple of the campuses that I've worked with over the years, their paranormal groups would come in and you know do investigations and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely. But I, I like I said, I I remember when you offered me that, and I said. Ooh, I actually get a chance to investigate John's museum. <laughs> I know a few people I can trust that I'll, that I'll bring with me that are not going to knock down any of your displays, I promise. And because uh, <laughs> I don't want to hear it afterwards going, Richie. And, and you know, I was telling Vicky, unfortunately, she has an E at the end of her name. So you can't say Vicky anymore. You, 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 you 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 have a pet name for me, which is Richie, and I, you're the only person I allow to call me Richie. To be honest with you, anybody else tries that, I'll be like, you don't look like John Zaffis. Don't try it. Don't try well, it. That's the running joke with me and everybody. Is there there are a lot of people that will not say Johnny. It has to be John. I'm so and used I, to calling you John. I can't. You know, around Johnny. Yeah. You know, again, it, it it's. I always laugh about that because every once in a while, somebody out of the clear blue will go, Johnny, and they go, it's so hard to call you that. I'm so used to calling you John. And I go, well, no, actually, it's Johnny. It always has been, always will be. But anyways, you know, it, I just laugh. Uh, I just line it up and stack it up with all the other nicknames people have given me over the years. I call you, I call you boss. So, I mean, you know, people can't take that away from me. That's for sure. Now, as we had stated at the very you know, first hour, we, we posted up a picture and it's a picture where it says everything has a story and it has you next to it. And mm -hmm. I want to know the story. You've already shared this with me, but I want to know the story behind this one picture that I want Jen to pop up for everyone here. Oh, that's um, a statue it's on the, the Hill of the Seven Angels, and I believe it's in Scotland. And it was 
where I had an experience. I was with uh, Ed O'Rain, and we were on tour. And um, we had gone up to this uh, little chapel church, and it was a little cemetery there. And I had gone – there's actually two or three other pictures that I, I wish I could find them. I don't know where they are from that location. That would be cool to get out there so people could see them. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, you know, I was sitting in there and I was doing a few prayers and this piercing sound just went right through me. It was very piercing, very loud. And I literally was covering my ears. I had walked back out to uh, where my uncle was standing and he goes, what's up kid. And I started telling him what had happened. So uh, we walked back in. He was sitting there a few minutes with me, and we were just looking. And I said, well, what do you think that was? He goes, angels. I go, angels? Yeah, angels. And he looked up, and he said, always keep him by you. So, again, you know, I wrote the story up on it and that entire thing that occurred that day in there. Because the way people view the angelic or angels, I don't look at it that way. I don't think they got a little halo on and these big fluffy wings behind them. They're a very brilliant, brilliant, bright light that could blind you. And when they're around, they're very piercing in your ears. It's, you know, I've had several instances where that has occurred and that has happened. So thus, you know, again, uh, looking at it, it was one of those major type experiences that I had. Now, out of curiosity, I, I know you've been witness to several possessions. Have you mm -hmm. ever experienced that sound during that? One. One, and time. one time, and it was in the, uh, the chapel with uh, Bishop McKenna. And it was a woman. And um, again, it was a piercing sound, but not like I had experienced several other times. Okay. So, yeah, afterwards... When we were sitting and I was talking to Bish, I told him about it and everything. And he went, oh, like that. And he goes, you know, he goes, that's the angels, John. And, you know, he goes, he goes, thank you for sharing that. And I go, well, why? He goes, that's a very good positive sign that it was very successful. And it was, you know, because people think when exorcisms or deliverances get performed, you know, these people are flying around biting and screaming. And it doesn't always happen that way. Some of the most uh, successful heavy-duty cases that I've gotten involved with that the people were pure, purely possessed were very, very quiet-type situations. You could feel the heaviness, but, yeah. you know, there wasn't uh, the thrashing and blah, 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 and, you know. But, again, uh, you, you take that in strive and you look at that because you never know. You never know what's going to occur or what's going to happen when you're involved with it and uh, you're dealing with the, the real thing. You know, the real thing. No, I, I uh, I'm going to answer a uh, sweeping. No, Go ahead. It, it, okay. a totally different person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, people have this misconception of possessions as being like the exorcist. Yeah. And it's really not like that all the time. I mean, I've been in situations where I have witnessed levitation, uh, not only of the person, but things fly, fly about, but you know, it's not always extravagant. That's only when they're trying to show off. As far as I'm concerned, Vicki, did you have a question? Well, I have, I, I guess I have a question for myself, actually. Um, since I met Rich pretty early on, he has always said that he thinks that one of the things that I should be doing 
is to delve more into demonology, that that is my calling. Would you think that that's, in your opinion, in your years of experience, would you give that a thumbs up for someone or a thumbs down? Well, the first thing I would be saying, what do you want to do? What is your feeling? What is your calling? Yeah, I've definitely kind of held back a little because of my kids, but they're mm -hmm. adults now. Mm -hmm. And I've always, one of the things that I based it on is just from childbirth, as soon as I could remember, I mean, four or five years old, I was have these dreams that I was fighting demons. Mm -hmm. And I would always just start saying the Lord's prayer and I would get louder and louder and something would try to make me vomit. So I couldn't talk and mm -hmm. it would just make me louder. And the end, I would always say good always overcomes evil. And then the whole yes. thing would be resolved. And yep. I always felt that that was, and I'm saying from four years on all, you know, till today I have mm -hmm. these. So, um, I do, in a sense, agree with the rich that some of the signs are pointing there. Um, but what are some of the things someone who is interested in it thinks it might be a calling? What are some things that we need to look out for? What are some byproducts that we need to be careful for? Your life will change. Things will never be the same. Um, that, that was part of my conversation with my uncle um, when I decided I wanted to get involved with the demonology. Because uh, as it goes, everything changes about you. Your environment starts to change. Um, you get isolated. You're very guarded. You're very careful. Because I was always like that when my kids were small. None of them were, I, I did not get any of the kids involved with anything. You know, um, if they had chose to do something with it, that's okay. That's fine. <coughs> but. As they were small, well, even to this day, I'm still, even though, you know, it's just Cheryl and I now, you know, again, when I get involved with anybody or talking to anybody, mm -hmm. I don't usually have those conversations in the house. I come out in my office and have those conversations, but everybody handles things differently. You know, again, um, that's me. That's the way I handle it. That's what's always worked very good for me. Um, if you venture into it, you get, you uh, a good character there to at least guide you along the way there. <laughs> what are, is, do you think it's a little more complicated if a person is a psychic medium choosing? Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, I yeah, but she wasn't, yeah, but she wasn't a demonologist. You but know, she again, accompanied him on the cases. So being involved in those type of cases, right. Is it more dangerous or a little more complicated if the person's a psychic medium? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely, because it's going to mess with you and it's going to uh, mess with your abilities. So then again, um, Lorraine was what was referred to as a light trance medium. You know, I never really saw her get very much involved with the demonology uh, aspect of a lot of that stuff until my uncle went down. When he went down in 2000, and, you know, one, you know, I seen her get more involved you know uh with dealing with some of that but a lot of the, uh, you know again she would accompany him she would go in with him she'd go into a light trance i've witnessed it i've seen it that's why a lot of times people say you know well she would make up a lot of different things and i go look i don't know 
you know, I can't answer for everything, but I can answer for when I was around or I would see her pick up on things. Because people have to remember, that was back in the day. We didn't have the computers, cell phones, or anything else. And Lorraine sure wasn't going to run down and start looking up history and looking all these things up on a piece of property before we went. That wasn't going to happen. So, but again, I think it, it, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, when you look at it from that perspective and you have to weigh what you feel your accomplishments are going to be. Are you going to get more out of being, you know, a psychic medium doing that part of your craft or getting into the demonology end of it? Because again, you know, a lot of people that intertwine that end up having a very, very difficult and rough time because they, they're more susceptible and they're going to bring things in. You're that, even though you're not going to prevent it, but I can only tell you what I think. And, you know, again, but if it's something you feel you got that calling to, you know, learn or, you know, get involved with, even to just get a better understanding of it, you know, it's very important. But once you cross that line and you start getting involved with that, shit happens no one could ever explain. That's the best way I could put it. And it, it just, you know, again, I, I'm numb to a lot of stuff. Uh, I just have gotten that way from over the years. But that doesn't mean I'm reckless or foolish, if that makes any sense to you. I my, my guard still stays up. My... I, it, that's just my nature. It's how I got trained into this. And again, um, I, I'm very guarded with a lot of it. So, yeah. but that's me. That's me. But you, you know, no, but I agree. I agree with, with boss man here. Definitely. If it's a calling, you have to go with your guard up at all times. And it doesn't matter if they tell you, Oh no, this is a human haunt. You don't know what's lurking around that corner. No. No. And you always have to go with your guard up. And, you know, Vicky knows this by now. I've, I've trained her pretty well when it comes to this. There was a question in the chat, and I'm going to go ahead and read it off. Um, you may have had this question already asked. Have you ever faced a demon that you thought, I shouldn't be here? Get, get every freaking one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say, because actually the question's for you and I. But I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. Yes. No. Again, <laughs> with that, um, with, with with witnessing or being involved with with the circumstances that you know you have that possibility that something's going to materialize, something's going to come to the forefront, something's going to evolve. I've been in several situations where that occurred and happened, but. I take that step back and I look at it from this perspective. It gave me a better respect for what we're dealing with and a better respect of, you know, my foundation in what I believe in and how I believe in things. So, which is, you know, again, um, something that I came to terms with what the haunting in Connecticut was a, a prime example of that. I mean, there were several, you know, situations in there where different things were confronted. One came down a staircase, another one came up, something happened in the back hallway where there were several different, 
you know, demons, I believe, that were present that came to the forefront. So therefore, um, I think the first time I seen it, you know, again, as I always say, and I, I talk very openly about it, was scared me so much that I freaking fled the case. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I wanted nothing to do with it. And I had made a decision that I would never do the work again. And, you know, Bishop McKenna, you know, calls up and goes, John, nobody knows what happened. You fled. You won't talk to anybody. And I'm like, Bishop, you guys can keep all this effing stuff. You know, I'm <laughs> done with it. I, I just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And at the end of it, you know, he, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, he goes, are you going to let it win? And I go, what the freak you mean by that? He goes, if you don't go back and you don't help people, he said, Basically, its intent and purpose was to scare you enough so you would never do it again. Are you going to let it win? And I went, oh, bitch, you had to put it that way. So did I go back? Yes. Was yeah. I scared? Yes. But again, you know what? I wish I had that bod. Man, my butt was still up in the air. My boobs weren't sagged. I had hair. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked Jen, our producer, to post that pic. That is, in fact, from the case that you're referring to, the haunting in Connecticut. No, that's it. No, that's from a totally different case. Is it? Okay. Yes. And I'm, shoot, I'm trying to remember it. I think it was somewhere up in, I, I'm not remembering it. That happens too. Trust me. You, you know, but it was a pretty freaking wild case. And in that case, that, Oh, 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 uh, it was in Massachusetts in, two, I think it was Tewksbury, very, very hard, hardcore, uh, satanic case that we got involved with. Wow. Anyways, we were trying to sleep one night in the bed and the bed actually slid across the floor and collapsed onto the floor. Gosh, I haven't talked about that story in years and years and years. But anyhow, that was, and the other researcher that was with me was laughing that I experienced that because I got so scared. <laughs> well, I don't blame you. I mean, if something drags me out of the bed or pushes the bed, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to have issues. I'm like, who here? Yeah. Nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jen, you mind showing the other picture? So what exactly, else, what else did you experience in this, in this one particular case? Okay, this is the haunting in Connecticut. This oh, was the, yeah, that was the staircase that led upstairs. And that's the first encounter that occurred that when I walked into the hallway and I looked up the staircase, that's where I seen it start in the form and manifest. It had a very foul odor to it and it came down the staircase. And that's when it had said to me at that point in time, do you know what they did to us? Do you know what they did to us? Well, I don't know. But it was comical now. It wasn't comical then. No. Because everybody was sound asleep. And Richie, you know me well enough. I was mother effing everything up and down, screaming and yelling. Everybody started waking up. I fell over the coffee table. Carmen was trying to calm me down. I'm like, F all he is. I'm out of here. I'm done with all this. Got in my little truck and got out of there. And that's when I wouldn't go back for three days after that, that first, first time that that occurred and that happened. I don't so, yeah. And again, you know, with the, you know, the, the, the several encounters that took place with the, the different things uh, in the Snedeker home, you know, they were pretty hardcore. They, they, they weren't very light. I mean, again, with, with some of the cases, when you come up against that stuff, I look at it a little bit differently now 
um, because we spent nine and a half weeks on that in on that case. So that, but um, again, and there were several others that I spent a tremendous amount of time on. And after that, I just made a decision. It's not such a good thing to spend too much time in these houses. Oh. You know, again, you stay a day or two. You need to get away. You need to recharge because I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody does. You stay in these locations. You end up getting dragged right into the whole scenario that the family is, you know, going through. So, again, it's just something that I'm very guarded and careful with now when you, you get involved with some of those heavier uh, aspects of dealing with the work. There's a question in the chat room for you. Do you don't you think being touched is worse than hearing them? Um, I would have at one point said yes to that. Okay. Okay. But I look at this again. I always think it's important to be able to um, look at things very open-mindedly. I mean, if a person's getting touched or, you know, you feel something touching you somewhere, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be something on a negative level. I mean, if your private parts are getting touched, okay, that's a totally different story. Okay. But again, human spirit. Shut up, Rich. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, with um, the the fact of that and hearing some of the sounds and hearing and witnessing some of the things, I really would put it about, you know, on the, the same level because both of it is something once you experience stuff like that it alters you because you know again you hear these you hear about these stories but once you experience them it's a totally different realm it's now a part of your reality it's no longer a story it naturally lowers your defenses because you you've you're startled the, the fear factor is actually what what makes it happen vicky you have a question i see that look on i've known that look for for two decades. No, I was listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, no, you know, I think there's something behind her, John, that you may have to put into your museum. <laughs> it's not haunted. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a picture of of Prince. Um, she, she and I are huge Prince fans. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, someone did that for her, and it was very well done, might I add. But of course, she will never part with that. She'll fight you tooth and nail and don't even try it. <laughs> it's not haunted anyway. <laughs> no, no, it's fresh. So uh, there, there was a question in here. Um, uh, she, okay. For Mylene Jones, she's got a few places to investigate. Uh, just no demons. Uh, would you be open to going to Mississippi and visiting? Well, I've been down there several times. Would I go back down again? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Hey, 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 Florida's on the list. He was just in Florida two weeks ago. I was just in Utah. Yeah, dude. I woke up to frost on the ground. The freaking palm trees were wilted from frost and ice on them. They all blame me because I came up from north, you know, from up north. And I go, I got news for you. It's warmer at home and it's sunny. And here we got ice and uh, everything else on the freaking ground. I had my coat, my scarf, and hat on. I'm like, it figures. If freaking figures John Frost. <laughs> he showed John up Frost. for the one day of winter in florida yeah and that's what they all kept telling me they go 
this has not happened in, you know, quite a while. You come down here and look what happens. I go, it figures. <laughs> you didn't bring hell with you. You brought, I don't know, you brought snow. Uh, you're John Frost. You John Frost. Jack Frost. You, you <laughs> Jack Frost's job. I can't believe you. Jeez. And, you know, I, I, I even have this right here, okay? <laughs> Cheers, bud. Uh, one day, I do have. One... I do have a question. Um, what age do you think is too young for someone to be involved in investigations and things like that? Um, I vary a little bit on that today because of the amount of exposure the children have to watching things, watching all the paranormal stuff, you know. With kids going on the ghost hunts, the ghost walks, and getting, you know, exposure to that perspective, I think it's okay. But I think young children getting involved with doing cases and it getting too hardcore or anything, I'm still guarded. I'm still very cautious with all that. Children are too young. You know, we're, we're there to help guide them. We're there to help, you know, watch and mold them. If they start getting thrown in, to all this crazy stuff that all of us get involved with, that can mess those poor kids up. And, you know, again, I'm not going from, you know, any perspective as far as, you know, I just think children are too young. They're too impressionable to do this. Look what these poor kids go through that are went through a haunting when they're starting to get older and they're starting to grow up, let alone starting to get involved with it when they don't have a haunting going on. So, again, you know, I'm guarded and I'm very careful with that, you know, but I look at it, like I said, a little bit differently now, you know, they're a little bit younger, you know, in their teenage years when the, the amount exposure, the amount of things that, you know, they look at, they watch, you know, again, sometimes being able to talk a little bit more openly about it isn't a bad thing either. Yeah. So again, um, but I'm sorry, when it comes into the little ones, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm personally just not in agreement with that. Not at all. I mean, the, the, the most I would ever get involved when it came to anything paranormal was back in the day when I'd watch in search of, uh, and I love that, that show. Even, I love uh, that show. I wish they'd bring it back, but unfortunately, Leonard Nimoy passed away, and uh, it wouldn't be the same. I, no. They'd be hard pressed. I think you'd be a perfect candidate to be the new host for a new <laughs> In Search of, maybe. <laughs> you know, I would. I don't know. I don't know if I could do something. <clears throat> you know, it's always difficult for me to, um, you know, stay serious all the time. I, again, yeah. And I laugh at that because people afterwards that I would meet after I want to collect her, they go, well, you were so serious. I go, that was not Johnny Zaffis. Trust me. That was not me at all. I said, yo, they kept telling me, you gotta be serious. You gotta, you gotta be very serious. You can't be joking around. You can't be horsing around. Well, in first season when we did that, people freaking loved it. Yeah. yeah. But then they made me, they, they, wouldn't let me do it anymore. And I'm like, you know, they even tried to put a freaking tie on me. And I go, now you're really pushing it. I said, it was bad enough that I had to wear a freaking shirt and, you know, a pair of pants. And they wanted me to wear freaking shoes. I wear white sneakers for the past 50 freaking years of my life. And I'm not changing. <laughs> you tell them, boss. I agree no. with you 100%. So anyways, you know, again... 
it would always be comical with a lot of things. You should even ask Beth when she comes on. I mean, we would have certain situations that I think if they left it in the show, it would have been dynamite. It would have been, it, it, people would have freaking loved it. There you go. There you go. Don't smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's right because yeah, we had to be serious. We had to be very serious all the time. It's, it's you know, it's fun. I I wish they would actually allow people to be themselves in reality shows because I think people would actually appreciate that more. Your personality shines through, and and as I was stating earlier, since the day I first started talking to you, which was back in two thousand five, all the way through, I've always loved talking to you because you're down to earth. And you shoot straight from the hip. And people, we need more of that. I, I think that there's way too much, you know, pantsing around with the real, you know, answers to the questions that are being asked. And unfortunately, and I think you would agree with me when it comes to this, a lot of shows have broken away from helping people out with paranormal situations. Wouldn't you agree? I, I look at things so... I, I think things have just gotten so freaking weird with paranormal today. You know, I remember the days of getting on the phone, establishing friendships, working with people, you know, and, you know, going back and forth and talking and, and establishing things that's gone. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't even exist today anymore. You know, again, with, with a lot of it, uh, I'm watching and seeing things and I'll look, you know, within 10, 15 minutes and go, okay, we have a person right here now. They know it all. And they yeah. never even been out of freaking case. Oh, you mean, and, you mean the 23 year old paranormal experts? <laughs> and, and, what are you kidding? I've seen seven, <laughs> 17 and 18 year olds now almost put me in my place. Oh, but again, great. you know, it, it's the nature of what our society has turned into not just within the paranormal community, but across the board where the intermingling, the establishment of friendships or, you know, the communication, it's not what it used to be. I still have my freaking landline. I, I use my landline. I don't want to use that freaking cell phone all the time. You know, again, it's, it, huh? There's, <laughs> Oh, I remember those. Okay. All right. It broke and I had to put a different wire on it because they didn't make them anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I would have had to go online and buy it and pay three times the price of it. And I said, forget that crap. But anyhow. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah, but I, I will not give up my land. I will not give it up. I, I can't. It just, you know, again, it, it's one of those things that I just can't let go of. I, you know, I don't know. If we they, get they, one big EMF pump, like, throughout the world one day, and all cell phone service goes down, those landlines are is what's going to save our lives, to be honest with you. And I got I agree, I got to agree with that. Yeah. I got to agree with that. Again, like I said, it just, I don't know. It, I, it's just so different. Like I said, even, you know, going out, doing, doing the conventions or doing different things and, just watching people just sitting there on their cell phones the whole entire time. Mm -hmm. You can sit home and do that. Why bother? You know, and people say to me, John, don't tell them that. If they want to waste their money and sit there on their cell phone, just leave them alone. I, 
I, I don't get it. I, you know, but that's me. You know, again, it's, um, uh, I, it just seems like it's something that we have lost over the amount of that. Richard, put that phone down. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, I don't know what came over me. I must have been possessed by the cell phone demon or something. <laughs> But I, I agree with you 100%, boss. I mean, it's to the point now where you walk into a room and everybody's doing this. That's all I, they're I, doing. I'm like, what the hell? What's going on? It tries me. Yeah, and I'm one of the worst people in, in the world because a lot of times people say, don't you answer your cell phone? I go, no. Because when I'm home, I don't think about it. If I'm out on the road, I'll look at it. I'll pay attention to it. I'll double check to make sure everything's okay. And then I just put it back down. I don't, I just don't, you know, I just don't. It, is it a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Uh, again, it, but I, I just, it's just something that I haven't attached to my ear yet. Oh, someone just actually popped on and said, I have a landline. Uh, oh, you're in trouble, Eileen says. And okay, hey, I'm always in trouble with boss man. I can't help it, you know. And I, I, I don't mind. You know, we joke around about so many things. You guys have no freaking idea the conversations we've had on the phone and the times he's made me laugh and I've made him chuckle to the extent to where he's like, okay, I gotta go to the bathroom now. Bye. And he hangs up on me. So it's all good. You know, Vicky, you have any questions? I mean, I've been reading off everything here in the chat room. My goodness, the chat room has been bombarded by questions. But Vicky, do you have any questions? Well, here's here's a question here. He's asking if he has paranormal stuff that was on his cam and then he put it on his PC and the PC crashes. I mean, there's not a blanket answer to that. You gotta look at everything. How old was your PC? How much data did you put on there? There's a lot of things involved to give you an honest answer, whether you're looking at something paranormal happening when you put that on your I mean, you know, again, too, it's that I think one of the worst things in the world is that we've gotten away from having the, the hard copy of photographs, having the cassette tapes with that information all backing it up. I mean, you know, people still laugh at me because I still use my cassette recorder when I go out investigating. They still sell tapes? Yes, they're expensive, but they still sell. Oh my Dude, I got a whole pile of them over here. It's amazing. But anyhow, um, when I do find them or anything, I just grab them because it, you know it, it's difficult to get them. But it's something that's starting to come back, and you can find them in the Walmart and everything. But man, are they high priced? But anyhow, oh, yeah. but um, yes, they are. Again, too, you know, because looking at that when you back things up on your PC, you're backing up on a hard drive or. Those other stupid things that you put everything on the portable hard drives and everything. Those things you could even have issues and problems with trying to retrieve data from. You know, it's the technology is just that. And we're all always going to have difficult. I've had computer crashes and things like that where I've lost tons of things. And, you know, again, it it is what it is and we just can't get it back. But. I remember when everything used to be backed up when you when computers were computers with a floppy disk. Now that doesn't exist anymore. Or CDs that doesn't exist anymore. So it's it's back to jump drives. I got I, I, I got a ton of them sitting over here. Sure, every single one of those things. Yeah, I, I mean, it, yeah, it's it's hysterical. And again, too, I have to just make sure I keep a piece of equipment or an old computer in case there's something on one of those that I want to look at. Same thing with DVD, you know. T tons and tons of them and i make sure i keep an old dvd player in case there's something i need to go back and retrieve or something so I mean, again said, amazon sells everything yes amazon yes they do everything. 
Yeah. Yes, they do. So if you ever need some more so, some more lead tapes and Polaroids, let me tell you, uh, you know, people have laughed at me. They said, Rich, what, what did you use as, you know, equipment to investigate the first time out? I went to the Biltmore Hotel in Coral Gables back in the day when it was boarded up and closed down. It was 1986-ish, 87. And I went with a Polaroid camera and a lead tape recorder. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's all. I didn't capture Jack Squat. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. But I kept using that for many, many years. And that was back in 1986, 87. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, I've, I, I'm, everything is going backwards. It's going back to the way things were because now things are way too easier. And I've, no, I've, I've also noticed that this has become an issue. Way too many people are using apps on their phone to locate ghosts and communicate with ghosts. And I'm like, last time I checked, this is, yeah, it, it doubles as a phone, but also as a camera, but it's not supposed to be used as an EMF detector. It's not supposed to be used for anything else, but what it's for a phone. So the, the scientific methodology that I've seen that I learned over the years is no longer even applied because people don't really understand. They, they count on the little, you know, (coughs) lights and, and the little noises that, that these gadgets make nowadays. And to be honest with you, I'd rather not have to deal with that. So how do you feel about that? Do you even bother with those? No, I watch yeah. my, I watch people within the group and, you know, they use a lot of different pieces of equipment and everything. I don't even freaking know how to turn half of this shit on. So <laughs> I, I would be stuck if I didn't stick to the methods that I do and the way I do it. And again, that's what it is. If, you know, anybody can back it up with, you know, capturing something on video, getting EVPs, you know, anything like that. Yeah, I'm all for it because that helps to substantiate things. But again, I still look at things, again, where a lot of times I go investigate, do what I need to do, do my interviews, follow through what needs to be done to try to help the individual and just move on. I mean, I got to, you know, but that's me. That That's yeah. how I do it. You know, again, other people are going to probably look at it a lot differently, want to set up all the equipment. And but and usually you could tell, you know, if somebody wants something done and they want to move on with their lives, you try to do what you can as quick. Or you walk in the front door and they start looking around and go, where's the film crew? Then you know what you're dealing with. So, again, you look at it from both perspectives. So how many chances, one second, how many chances do you give someone who calls you, they want help, you come in, you try to help, you give them advice, they don't follow it. Is it there, are they one and done, or do you give them at least two or three chances? Again, it's going to depend on the conversation. And the one thing that will really get me to shut down and not have an interest is when somebody says to me, No, you don't understand. That is the worst thing in the world someone could turn around and say when you're reaching out, trying to solve an issue or trying to figure something out. And my response nine out of 10 times then is, well, if I don't understand something, I don't know what I'm talking about. And you don't think I understand your issue. Why are you even calling me? Exactly. And, and that, don't, you know, that. yeah, I mean, again, you know, you usually could tell if somebody legitimately is looking for help or they're just interested in building a case to go on the next episode of X, Y, and Z show. You could tell. It's just a, you could tell a lot of times with people. 
Now, John, I'm I'm curious. There's there's a pick that I have of you. Uh, have you not been pulled aside and told that this is a dangerous thing to do? Dude, back in my day, we did that. Okay, well, you know, I'm telling you, no, James, it's not right. No, no, no. Okay, look, there's taxis, there's Ubers now, and you don't have to do this anymore. You no longer have to stick your thumb out, and then you end up getting picked up by some sicko and killed and dumped on the side of the road. No more. P promise me that much, please. I promise. <laughs> You're gonna laugh. This is gonna make you laugh even harder. Do you know I've never been in an Uber? Are you serious? I have never been in one. I wouldn't even freaking know how to find one. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, I I do not. Wait a minute. I wait a minute. Wait a minute. I apologize. I have. I was at one of the conventions. Somebody had called one, and I was stuck in the middle of three or four people, and they just pushed me right into the Uber. I take it back. I'm sorry. It was a van, a van Uber. Oh, gosh. So, John, you know, as we're closing, coming to the close of, of, of this show, and you've been a great guest as usual, uh, as always, you know, check is in the mail. Um, so <laughs> uh, just, just so you're aware, uh, uh, we'd like to know, and everybody here has been asking in the chat, where can we see you next? Where are you going to be next? How can they keep up with you? Because the last time I checked, you you got like so much lined up, not only for last month, this month, next month. How can they keep up with you? Well, believe it or not, I've cut back on doing stuff. You know, you and I were talking about that. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I do not like being out every weekend anymore. You know, again, it's um, one of those situations where I just take that look at, you know, yeah, I've missed out on so many different things that now if something comes up a lot of times, I go, you know what, I'd rather stay home and go do that than, you know, again, but the best way to ever keep up with me or figure out where I am, you got to do the same thing I do. I go on Facebook and look. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. I was freaking out, but you do have a website, don't you? Yes, but I, I don't put anything on the website. Just usually uh, use Facebook and uh, post the different events that I'll be at. Okay. You know, so again, you know, there, there's several of them coming up. I have them uh, posted. I have one here in a couple of weeks with Dustin Perry uh, in uh, Connecticut, um, the Hathingworth House in Norwich, uh, Norwich, Connecticut. And I'll be down in Texas after that for a uh, convention and a few other ones here and there up in Michigan and uh, New Jersey Con in the fall. And again, some of the smaller ones that I do in between. But like I said, that I have cut back, believe it or not, on doing as many as I used to do. Yeah, no, I, I remember you. I, the, the last time I think I saw you, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, Mid-South 2015. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. the last time I actually saw you, and it's a shame. We got to we got to hook up. We got to have lunch sometime soon because I'm telling you, way too much time has passed by. But John, thank you so much for being on the show. It was it's great being on. Yes, I enjoyed it very much. And Vicky, I don't care what you say. That pen that, that's haunted behind you. <laughs> no, no. But I do want to tell you before you go, uh, I did listen to what you said about the demonology and there was one particular line that resonated with me. So I have definitely made my firm decision. You said I needed to think about which ways, which I could do the most good in. 
And I think I do the most good as the psychic medium who works on a paranormal team that does those kind of things. So right now, I think I'm going to stick with that. And you helped me make that decision. Always follow your, your hunches. Always follow your instincts because that's where you could always help the most. And that that's the key essential thing as far as I'm concerned with with anybody doing anything. I mean, people could get involved with something and, you know, they'll go, ah, that's not a good thing for me. And I've seen that before. And I respect that with people when they do take the step back and go, you know what, let me evaluate that. Let me really think about that. And again, that tells me, you know what, that person's going to do good no matter what they do and what they choose to move forward in. Good advice. Thank you very much, John. And again, it's always a pleasure. Hey, it was great to be on. Thanks for having me on. And again, I don't care what you say. It's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, boss. I'll talk Bye, to you Bye, guys. Later. Take care. Bye-bye. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is John Zaffis, the haunted collector himself. Stick with us for next week for uh, episode four. We're going to be discussing poltergeists. Okay. interesting subject matter so literally come back visit us again at greetings from beyond radio remember what i always say at the close of every single one of our shows live life don't let life live you and peace be still thank you and i just want to add one thing i did speak to the artist and i am allowed to give her information so people can check in the comment section on youtube for her instagram awesome see you all next week